Hello and welcome to the Gowning Room. The subject that I'm talking about today has caused me a lot of frustration lately. Recently I escaped moral relativism due to the birth of my daughter. Seeing that young girl, I wanted her brought into the kingdom of God. I realized that it was not good enough for me to secure my own personal salvation, but it was required of me to be a vessel to bring the message of the crucifixion and resurrection to others especially my young daughter. Welcome to the Counting Room. One thing I want all my listeners to know about The Counting Room is that while I am running this podcast from my basement by myself, that doesn't mean that you can't help. You can send me feedback, suggestions, things I can improve, things that you liked, subjects that I can talk about, or maybe you're interested in being a guest. If you want to help me make this podcast better, you should email me at feedback.thecountingroom at gmail.com. Once again, that's feedback.thecountingroom at gmail.com. I enjoy making this content, and I enjoy talking about faith, politics, and everyday living, and I welcome any assistance in making this content more fruitful and more beneficial to my listeners. Please take a few moments and consider how you can help, and send me an email. Thanks. I realize that I could not teach my daughter that all morals and all faiths are just as good and relatively the same. In fact, This idea most often seems to infect American Christians who have given themselves over to the nationalist view that they must be ruled by their country first, and therefore their faith is only a secondary feature which holds no weight in legal matters or on their fellow man. It can only be discovered on an individual level and should not be shared outside of church. Wanting to share my profound reawakening, I found many of my Christian friends with children tepid in their response. I found myself deflated and afraid to push the point further because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. I began searching for other outlets because I feel that the world needs a good revival and therefore my message is especially relevant. I found the internet to be a den of vipers. Christians who tailor their message to the world in order to increase the pew count and their income. or. Christians who want the world to see themselves as righteous as they espouse worldly things. This was very perplexing. Has the state of Christianity really fallen into such shambles? I looked at this problem, and comparing it with what scripture says, I found it to be the oldest problem in the world. Abdication of responsibility. In fact, this was the very first problem in the world. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent was allowed to come into the garden and tempt Eve. Adam had abdicated his responsibility and had not defended his home or his wife. We don't know much about Adam's posture in that moment, but we know from Scripture that Adam stood by and said nothing during the interaction with the serpent and Eve. Because Adam did not do his duty, Eve took something that was not hers to take, and then gave it to Adam. Adam once again failed to be a leader and partook. Therefore, all mankind fell from grace and must wrestle with sin.
Since the fall of man into sin, nothing comes more naturally to God's people than to abdicate their responsibility. It was the problem at Babel. It was the sin of the Israelites that sent them wandering for forty years. It was the reason David was home to be tempted when he saw Bathsheba. And it is the problem that we face today. Christianity today often tries to make itself irrelevant to the world. We would rather ignore the Great Commission and leave Christianity to be something that we practice in our homes and churches. We say we avoid politics, but we really only avoid holding any Christian view of politics. We would be lying if we said we hold no political views. For the Christian, it is far easier to appease the world than it is to teach the world and baptize the nations. It's far easier when the world puts up resistance to say, you don't have to follow God's law. Any law you choose is equal to God's law. This stance is cowardly and very confusing because it postulates that the Christian must react to the world and tailor their faith to suit the wishes of the world. The argument that I've often been confronted with is that I wouldn't like Satanism to be the state law. Of course not. I believe Christian law is true. It is a true and good law that must be obeyed. I don't believe that other religions are the same. I believe they're wrong, just as they believe my religion is wrong. That is the nature of belief. Try discussing this with the modern Christian, and you will find that satisfying the world is more important than pleasing the one true God. I cannot force my morals on anyone, is what they often say. Advocating God's law to the world is not forcing your morals on someone. It is advocating for them to live under the full protection of God's law. The reason you don't want to do it is because bringing hearts into submission to God is bloody hard work. It's painful. It's hard work taking care of families and leading them to love Jesus. However, we stop because of what the world might say. We were promised that the Christian faith would lead to all forms of persecution. But how can we stand up to martyrdom if we can't even handle someone calling us mean names? To say it differently, right now, we live under some very ungodly laws. And if we do not reject these laws soon, God will take to pouring out His wrath on our nation. The writing is already on the wall. All the signs are there. We cannot be blind to it. When this happens, will we still seek to please the world? This is the state that we are currently in. But Christians have abdicated their responsibility. We wave the white flag, and we have offered our unconditional surrender to the world. We are much like the Israel that rejected Jesus, waiting for a Messiah to come and fix our problems with no effort on our part. God has given us a task, and like Adam, we're not protecting our home from the serpent. Instead, we allow the serpent in, give him access to our wives and children, and offer nothing even resembling resistance. So what can we do? First, we need to clean up our own house. Christians should be seeking out the hard truths of Scripture and sorting out sin in our own lives. Christian men should not be adulterous like the men of the world. They should love one wife as Christ loves the church. Christian men should once again be worthy leaders, making our homes places where the law of God is loved. Christian leaders cannot preach a gospel of relativity and abdication. 
Jesus comes into your heart, and then it's all good, brother. This is not true. It's now a great responsibility. To whom much is given, much is required. We are required to live a certain life, and we are required to share that with the world. We are required to bring all things under subjection to the law of God. We cannot afford to continue in this surrender to the world. We are not a defeated people. We are victorious. The question is, will you take part in the victory? Now, let's move on to our weekly book review. The Proverbs of Middle-Earth by David Rowe It's not going to be a difficult thing to get me to read a book that has the potential to give me further joy and understanding of the world that Tolkien created in Middle-Earth. In the Proverbs of Middle-Earth by David Rowe, David Rowe gave me a lot to think about and really went into depth on how vast the world of Middle-Earth was in Tolkien's mind. To have a better understanding of the cultures, histories, and wisdom traditions gives me a new joy as I look forward to my next reading of the stories that I've so much enjoyed since childhood. I felt like the world that I was reading about was not too different from mine, due to the fact that the proverbial prose used in Middle-earth enveloped hundreds of years of legacy that you don't typically find in most works of fantasy literature. David Rowe put this book together in such a way that it wasn't easy to put down. It was enjoyable and easy to understand. As a Christian, I saw some obvious connections between the wisdom traditions of Middle-earth and the Christian worldview, and I don't know if that was purposely omitted by Rowe or not. This may have been because Tolkien himself wanted to make clear that his writings were not to be taken as Christian fiction, but rather just skillfully crafted stories. I will not spoil anything, but I will say that the final pages of the book were a grand finale, and I was left in awe. If you enjoy Tolkien's work and want to expand your horizons, this book is a must-read for you. I'm Joel Edgar. Thanks for joining. God bless.